2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime, LGBT, forever. You have now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. Third Warren. 106.5 FM Los Angeles, 102.3 FM Riverside, and one hundred five oh AM Palm Springs.
3: Welcome back into the House of history and of course I'm Al Warren. Who else would I be? I could be David Rose North Martino. That's right. see so you got a rose in there today I, I, yeah that's
1: that's great well, I, I need a, well. I need another name too <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just keep going
3: just keep going just keep you know going. keep, keep adding. adding keep adding you know <laughs> hey you know what did you, did you, did you see what? that the, the new eye drops that they've got the FDA approved
1: No, I did not I yeah I need them.
3: Well, but they make you see better, right? Because really, you put, yeah, you put them in, and you don't need readers anymore. Oh, right. So people that's that crazy readers. It's just a little bit, and it only lasts about eight hours. Okay. But you put the drops in, and then you can read, and then hmm, yeah, that's yeah, pretty that's, neat. I thought, thought you'd be excited. I'm. I'm kind of excited. I mean,
1: I need I need distance too, so I don't know if that would work for me.
3: Yeah. Well, you don't but, read anyway, do you? <laughs> yeah, reading. <laughs> I'm sorry, your your guy from the monkeys died. died. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we saw him uh, just
1: in October. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, you did it, did, it didn't uh, you? Yeah.
3: My God. What, he looked out the, at the audience and go, boy, this isn't, worth it. <laughs> it isn't just, worth it. It's just worth it. Look at the people watching <laughs> us. It was that guy in his dress out there Goodbye to the <laughs> world. Yeah, and you're yelling and throwing your jewels at him and
1: that's true. That that did happen actually. Yeah.
3: Throw <laughs> so your underwear at them and then you gotta rest it and they have to stop yeah. the concert. You're an embarrassment.
1: I am. What is uh, going on?
3: Just tell them you, you worked at coast to coast. <laughs> <laughs> you're not on this station. No. That's right. NBC New Broad Champion. Anyway. <laughs> um well, now speaking of what ones. No, actually we've got Today, of course, we're doing, we're going to bring a writer into our conversation and we've got, it looks like a first time writer, so it looks like a virgin. Um, (laughs) and, um, his book is called Witchfire. Now, this is very interesting. Gay paranormal romance. So, uh, let's bring in Austin Oakley. Thank you for being here. Hey, that's me. Thanks for having me on and be gentle. I am a
4: virgin.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all right. I'm too old. I can't get that rough anymore. (laughs) Um, You know, I have to wonder, um, when you write with this kind of category, um, you've got, you know, it's it's a gay category, but it's also paranormal romance. Does that (laughs) affect the audience in any way? Because we've had a lot of just gay romance writers, and and then we've had a lot of paranormal. I don't think we've ever... Met or had a gay paranormal romance on this, so you've kind of got, you know, uh, you know the beasts and the and all the paranormal stuff going on, monsters and magic, but yet you still got the happily ever after, as you say. So that's quite an interesting combination. Does that how how do, how do you find your your readers? I
4: think that the the gay paranormal romance
3: genre gives you an opportunity to kind
4: of subvert expectations. Um, and you can kind of go as far as you want, as far as, uh, having some creative freedom where you can take some characters that would be a little bit more, uh, fragile in contemporary genres and really stretch them and make them do some, you know, pretty incredible things. Um, and I mean that in a lot of different ways.
3: <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, I mean, there's a lot of sucking going on here, with the, but you no, know, but I have to get, I, I just wonder, um. Did you have a paranormal history yourself? Like, are you sort of um, into the paranormal? Have you had experiences? Is that why it's in there? I am no stranger to the supernatural. I live there. I have a
4: P.O. box. I'm a member of an HOA. (laughs) (laughs) And that's mostly, you know, coming from having, you know, these experiences that um, are unexplainable in some way uh, that kind of drove me to, you know, looking for, answers in, you know, folklore and mythology and, you know, uh, spirituality. So those are things that I weave into my stories.
3: Well, that's an interesting, I, um, yeah, that, I, I find that fascinating. So when you, when you put together a story, um, your, your main characters in there, where do you get your main characters from in a story like this? Are they people you know? Is it, is there some of you in this? Or someone else or something? How do do you arrive at choosing characters? I think with every character, there's a little bit of me or someone
4: I know. Um, But there's also a little bit of, like, wish fulfillment as well. And, like, you know, when you have those arguments with people and you walk away and, like, two hours later, you're like, I wish I would have said that thing. Uh, This is kind of the opportunity to do that, uh, where it's like you get to be this character. Um, And in some ways, it's kind of like, you know, role playing in a way that you get to experience all these different uh, personalities and and worlds that you build and get to play in. So it's kind of a a mishmash of of both elements from people I know um, and the things that that they say and do and things that I find interesting in their quirks uh, that make people feel real, I guess, Um, but also just the things that I wish I could do as well.
3: Yeah, because I see uh, you have the arrival of a handsome newcomer with strange tattoos. So you used me in this office. Well, I do my research. (laughs) And uh, no, I just um, so but when you okay, I always ask this one, this is kind of an important one. So when you're bringing in paranormal, like you're bringing in werewolf, or you're bringing in anything that's kind of been done before. Uh, it's been used before. We've all seen werewolves, for instance, or we've all seen vampires and things like that. What rules do you apply to that supernatural being? Is it just self-made yourself or you take old Hollywood standbys or is there someone else's book or stories that you've taken? And you kind of go, I like this. This is how I want my werewolf to be, for instance.
4: Um, I think there's a blending of of kind of the. New rise of of kind of supernatural creatures that we've seen in the last eight to 10 years from different shows like, you know, The Originals or uh, Vampire Diaries, Teen Wolf, that kind of stuff. Um, but there's also I kind of wanted to return back to some of those older stories and um, kind of classic Hollywood as well of having, you know, actual werewolves instead of just shifters that turn into wolves, you know, regular wolves, um, which is very common in in that genre. Um, but I wanted to go back to having like these, you know, eight foot tall hulking rage monsters of, you know, werewolves um, and kind of have that kind of counterpoint with something as sometimes soft as, as a romance or as uh, gentle or as yielding as, you know, these emo- emotional connections that you have in a romance. Well, a
1: lot of times, you know, paranormal romance, it, it could be very dark and sometimes very mm-hmm. whimsical or comical. And I was just wondering, it sounds like you do have more of a, a dark slant to your fiction. Is is that correct?
4: Oh, yeah. Um, I would say that my my uh, writing style leans uh, more dark and irreverent, but also there's, there's humor there, too. Um, I tend to be very sarcastic in my writing style, and I think my writing is also... Um, self-aware enough that it can make fun of itself.
3: I noticed it says explicit sex. Now, for us old guys that can't read um, because we can't <laughs> see, uh, it, it, are there pictures or something or moving? Is there something that comes with the book if I buy it? Just... Uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs> no pictures. Uh, Amazon has some, some rules around that. Uh, but uh, The pictures are in your mind.
3: Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and with your werewolf and vamp, you, you don't have vampires. You have a witch, right? I believe in this. And, uh, yes, a there's
4: a, a, witch, a hunter and a, a werewolves
3: in this. So do you, are you like Anna J. Walner? She writes these fantasies too, right? This style. Um, she manscapes her vampires. Do you as well? <laughs> <laughs>
4: it's, it's um, a, you know,
3: they <laughs> embrace yeah. all different, uh, body types and,
4: and levels of, of hair care maintenance.
3: <laughs> well, I, I think it's important, right? But I just wasn't sure if, um, I guess, the werewolves are like bears, you know. So, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, it, it, of all seriousness, so when you write this, it, it, it's, the, it's the crux of this story. The main part of it is that the actual romance itself is sort of like a love story to this.
4: Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, most of my stories, the, the central element is the romance itself. But I, tr- I try my best, and I hope I pull this off, uh, to write the, the action and adventure around that, or even the mystery, um, as a, you know, irremovable element of the romance itself.
3: Do you, do you have a theme that, or something you want people to, to pull away from your books? you know, I, think was the, I was going to say something other than the, you know, so you have the basic story and you might have the hunter and you have this, you know, uh, you know, murdered people and you got or mysteries and stuff. But is there something else you want people to pull away? I
4: think what I, I like to be, to be perceived through these stories is that anyone can be the hero. Um, anyone can have this story happen to them um, and especially like within Witchfire, we start the story with Landon Winfield, who's the main character, who is a um, a country boy, you know, on a struggling family farm, um, who is kind of stuck in this, you know, life that he necessarily didn't pick for himself, and you know he's kind of thrust into the middle of this adventure um, and this mystery that's kind of unfolding around him that threatens the livelihood of his farm, um, but coming from a background where you don't necessarily see yourself reflected in, in popular media as, you know, like a, a queer person. Um, I like being able to to push these characters into the spotlight and give them a platform and a voice.
3: So it, if I understand that, so do you think that um, gay people in general are, 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 what do you think they are in, in popular media? Is that just sort of, or are they just sort of like a cliche kind of a, it's a, it's kind of a formulated sort of person that they put in these stories.
4: Well, I think at this point, you know, it, it's changing to a degree, which is great. Um, but you know, over the last decade or so, I think it's still very common to see, you know, the, the gay best friend trope, or you know, these kind of token characters that are obviously not actually written by you know, queer queer people themselves. So it's just an outsider's perspective of, of who queer people are, um, and a lot of times, you know, for for queer people even their you know everyday lives their existence you know there are things that are kind of unspoken and experienced but um are kind of hard to pinpoint but you know it when you when it seems off um so when you're looking at like characters on tv or in books sometimes you can just tell that it's not written by a queer person (laughs) because it doesn't match what your experience has been or other people's experiences that you know um so i think it's important to have books that are written by queer people for queer people, um, which is not to say that other authors can't uh, present those stories as well. But I think it's important to kind of give that that space for queer people.
3: Oh yeah, I agree. Like some of the books I just put out were kind of um, centered around um, uh, gay men that were murdering <laughs> in real life, so they're 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 more true crime. But um, mm-hmm. I think from a gay person, you could give them the perspective of what it's like being gay, like what it's like. Cause, cause, cause then we know what goes on in that world better than someone that just sees it on TV, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's important. Yeah. Um, how do you find, um, people in general, it, it, do you try to go through publishers when you write stories or do you just self publish?
4: Um, I decided, uh, long before I published
3: to go
4: the, um, indie author route just because I didn't want to have to kind of give over control of my work to a traditional publisher. Um, and it, it is harder to get published, um, when you're writing, you know, gay fiction, regardless of, you know, the sub, the subgenre. Um, it's just a smaller pool and there's, you know, smaller or fewer writers in that space too, but, I also just wanted to be able to control the back end of it as well and kind of control the messaging around what I was writing.
3: Yeah. You know, when you're writing gay, um, books, it's important to control the back back end. Um, (laughs) you know, just saying, you know, uh, (laughs) uh, otherwise you never know, you know, I won't even go there. So, um, I wonder now, so, when you talk about um, the things that happen to your characters, how do you decide that? And and I, I should go back to this. So first, um, how do you feel about your characters? Because we you know we traditionally ask a lot of writers you know what their their idea of their characters are. So when you've got Land and Winfield and stuff, is is that is he like a child, a friend, family? do you have any sort of relationship with that character or are they just sort of completely you?
4: Um, <laughs> they are more like uh,
3: people living in my head
4: rent free. Um, they I don't know that I would call them friends so much as, you know, people that demand a lot of my time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they, they definitely have a presence and the more that, they kind of hang around, they take on, you know, very innate qualities that I associate with them. Um, like Landon is, you know, a smart mouth and it shows in everything that he does. And it's something that, um, I don't know, there, there's a, a desire there just to write about them at that point because they become real. So. Hmm. Do, do you hear the voice in the head? Yes, I I very much hear their actual voices and what they sound like. Um, And I actually found this out quite recently that I emote when I'm writing. So, like, my face, I make facial expressions the entire time I'm writing. Um, So, apparently, that's interesting to watch. I imagine, especially (laughs) walking
3: down the street.
1: (laughs) i was wondering as a character uh like landon or any of your characters have they ever done anything that might uh that that had that surprised you maybe they've gone off the rails or refused to do something or just gone someplace uh, unexpected
4: oh all the time um i i have this perfectly planned you know plot laid out and then they decide to steamroll it um, so i mean there's there's scenes that were entirely you know off the cuff of i didn't I didn't think it was going to happen that way, and then it took on a different quality. Um, usually, I'm pretty good at predicting how a story is going to go, but the the way I get there is usually different than what I expected in the beginning.
3: Hmm. Yeah, I, I just um, so now let's let's give the listeners. So, what is the basic premise of this story now? In Witchfire, we meet Landon Winfield,
4: who, like I said, is, you know, this country boy from a small town living on a struggling farm with his mom. Um, and it's a family farm, been in the family for, you know, generations. So it has a lot of sentimental value. Um, and we learned that there's been a lot of mysterious deaths over the recent weeks of cattle on the farm. And it's something that they can't afford because they need to
2: to find out if it's right for you.
4: Get, you know, these cattle to market. Um, So it's dangerous for their farm. But then there's the mystery there of what's, you know, picking off these cattle in the middle of the night. Um, And as he discovers, you know, another dead cow in the morning, uh, we are slowly pulled into um, this mystery where this dark stranger uh, shows up who has these mysterious tattoos that, Um, send a shock through Landon whenever he touches them. And we learn that this Stark Stranger is a monster hunter and that uh, Landon himself is a witch and that he has a werewolf problem. And that kind of kicks off the adventure and the budding romance between
3: them. Oh, so so he starts to fall in love with them. And um, now I I noticed uh, the cover, you've used my body on it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ah, I didn't know if you'd recognize or not. Yeah, it just it, it threw me at first because of the face is is different. You know, that guy yeah. looks a lot more serious than I do. But uh, well, when it's that perfect, you know, how could you resist? <laughs> well, uh, so you, are are you writing this in a series? Have you got this plan to go further than just um, the one book with with Landon and and some of the other characters?
4: Oh yeah, it's a uh, it's a part of an episodic uh, series and kind of took some inspiration from uh, shows like Supernatural, like the actual TV show, um, where I liked the fact that there was a different case every episode, um, and I really wanted to weave that into a larger overarching plot. Um, so there's lots of things that were kind of left uh, for Landon and uh, his love interest Russo to discover in future books as they kind of go around the South, the American South uh, hunting monsters and
3: trying to uncover mysteries. Well, I'm sure they'll find a lot of monsters in the South. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That goes without saying. So each book will stand on its own. Um, I'm writing them so that
4: they can be read on their own, but they are, they are linked together.
3: And, and, how how do you think the reaction is in the gay community with, with this, this type of book? Has it been good?
4: The reactions I've had so far have been really good. Um, I've actually had more reactions than I expected. <laughs> um, I kind of expected that I would launch, you know, book one, and it would be like, you know, whisper, you know, in the wind. Um, but I've actually gotten a lot of great feedback uh, that's been surprising for me, as a debut author especially.
3: Oh, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. The, the more positive you get because – as you kind of get around and, and and out there a little bit more, there's always those uh, negative Nancys that come around you know so it's <laughs> it's good to build up a little bit of that in there um how do you how do you actually decide on do you, on on the events happening do you sort of live out some of the scenes yourself do you picture and write a scene in your head
4: Well, I usually start um I guess this is a two part answer, because I usually start um, in the plotting process just by throwing out ideas um, into uh, idea mapping kind of programs like Lucidchart and um, just kind of brainstorming what would be interesting. You know, what if uh, this happened or this other thing? Um, And then once I kind of have like the big uh, beats in the story, then I start filling it in. Um, but when I actually come down to writing it itself, um, it's very performative for me. Uh, I like to be, you know, in the actual headspace of the character when I'm writing it. Um, and I usually will either put on music or I'll walk around and, and, and pace around the house like a crazy person, um, and kind of just have the scene out in my head and perform it. Um,
3: well, yeah, well there, <laughs> and, the, and the explicit sex part. Ah, <laughs> that's that's a little less mobile. Uh. <laughs> well, I was going to say, but you got to make sure it works. It's mm. right, right? You know, it can it can happen. Um, do you get really into the details of sexuality? Because I know we've had some some uh, gay romance writers on before, and and some totally avoid it and don't mention it, and then others get more detailed. Where, where do you fall into that?
4: Honestly, I think when when you're in a space that I I can see either either side of this, but for me, um, I think going into those details does a better service of what's happening to that character and and what they're experiencing. Especially, like I mentioned before, um, when those things aren't as widely shown or you know demonstrated or you know touched on. Um, I think it's important to give space for those things to exist. And I like to, to go into those details to touch on that that character's experience of sex. Um, that's very important to me.
3: Right, right. Uh, so are you able to just um, turn it on as in, um, no, not not sex. <laughs> though. I, was, I was thinking more of the writing. So like, I, and I mean this in the way of like some people can say, okay, well, I can write between five and nine tonight. Like, you know. For they're not working or whatever's going on. And can you just do that? Like plan a couple of hours, sit down and write, or do you have to be in a, in a correct mood? Um, for me, it is a, it is like any job. Um,
4: it doesn't matter if I want to write or not, or feel like it. I, you know, sit down and make myself write. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So it, it is something that I kind of just turn on. You, It's like a muscle for me and that, you know, I've had plenty of days where, you know, it just did not want to come out, but I, you know, stuck to the keyboard and made it come out, even if I only got 10 words. Um, so I think over time, you kind of build that that muscle there to just write, regardless of whether it's good or not. Um, you can always edit later.
3: Yeah, you know, it's just getting in the habit of it. Do you also plan out, like, when you write, like, do you know where your characters are going to go before you get the details of the book? Do you kind of map out and say, okay, this is... You know, this is what Landon's going to do and this is how it's going to end. And do you kind of have you got that kind of mapped out for a series with with your characters already or is it just right as you go?
4: Uh, Yeah, uh, spreadsheets are my best friend. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I usually have um, scene lists for every books um, for every book. And then I have my overarching uh, what I call my mega plot. It is taking up a lot of space in my folder with lots of spreadsheets. Um, and it kind of overlays what are all the small uh, threads that are running through with different plot lines from book to book. Um, and otherwise otherwise I would forget, because it's so easy to forget while you're writing all the things that have already happened um, in that space, because it takes a while to write, and then trying to remember, you know, what happened four chapters ago. That was, you know, last week at some point when you decided it at, you know, four o'clock in the morning. Um, it's hard to remember. So I make sure I write everything down.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And not only that, you know, certain feelings or actions are sometimes something that one of your characters will say, you know, and, and uh, two books down the road, you might not remember that. So and someone, some reader will catch it. So yeah, it's important to keep keep track mm-hmm. of that, you know. um. So who are your influences? Like, where do they come from? Is it other writers or is it um, you know, singers, is it, um, movies? Uh, Do you have any influences like that? Um, I think most of my influences come from
4: TV shows and in the supernatural genre, like as early as stuff, like, you know, Xeno Warrior Princess and like these kinds of retellings of, uh, Greek myths and these new ways, um, all the way up till, you know, things like I mentioned, you know, Supernatural, the TV show, um, but as far as like authors go, I'm, I'm inspired by authors like Mary Calms. She's another MM romance writer. Um, and growing up, I was, I was really heavily influenced by Amelia Atwater Rhodes, who wrote, um, a really cool, um, shifter series, um, called the Kiesha Raw series. And it is such a, a beautiful example of world building that it's always stood out to me and I've always kind of held that up as like the standard of, if you could build a world, this is how you do it.
3: Hmm. Well, you know, David's got a really good book out there where he's with a wolf. You might like <laughs> just say it. Wolves of vengeance. Don't miss oh, that book. Thank yeah. You. yeah. <laughs> it's a good book. You know, it's like, a, what can I say? Um, well, so where do you, I just where do you see yourself going with this? And was this kind of a plan that you had? Like, um, I guess we could go back to where you started, and um, what was it that actually gave you the courage to actually decide? Well, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to publish it and put it out there for everyone to read.
4: Um. I think, well, I think you can look anywhere right now and kind of sense this urgency as far as, like, the state of, of the world at the moment. Um, well, the U.S.,
3: you, yeah, that has... yeah.
4: Whether you're talking about, like, political climate, the actual climate, or, you know, the pandemic, um, things have really pushed me personally to, you know, focus on what's important to me and what I feel like I need to be doing, um, and that was putting a book into the world uh, during all of that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was really the big impetus to, you know, start putting my stories out there.
1: Um, I was wondering, do, do you uh, pull in anything from real life? Do you have any uh, hobbies or activities that, uh, inform and influence your work?
4: Um, I think there, there will be characters that draw more so on my own personal experiences as, you know, like an artist and a dancer and things like that. Um, I don't have any experience personally being able to conjure fire uh, oh. to my fingertips, unfortunately unfortunately although i don't know that anybody in the world wants me to have that kind of power <laughs> um but yeah i mean there there are things that um like personal knowledge that i think that would that filters into my stories of course but i don't think i've really introduced um characters that are really based on my own personal hobbies or interests
3: yet Except for the explicit sex. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you got to get a cat in there. You're a cat dad, just yes, like uh, yes. just like David. There are you yeah. go. It's well, I was going to. No s-
4: appeared in the first one. Not yet,
3: anyways.
1: <laughs> Well, no, I was going to say, you know, being a you're, you're a cat dad of I, I believe of two. Yeah, of two. And I, and I was just wondering if you had any advice about getting <laughs> anything done, because
4: I can't get anything done with one cat. Never mind two. um i i will often lay on my like bed when i'm writing and one of the cats usually likes to come and sit on my back or my head (laughs) while i'm laying there um or they'll just lay on the keyboard itself and then i'll have to
3: move to my phone to write That's just idea. being flexible. Well, yeah, that's a good idea, Dave. You have one; yeah. you can have them lay on your head. It feel like you got hair again.
1: <laughs> it would.
3: <laughs> you got, that's a good idea. Yeah.
1: Better than hair club for men.
3: Yeah, warm you up a little. <laughs> well, that's really um, quite the... But I, you know, when you come back to the writing part, when you decided to write, yeah, there's an urgency. I kind of understand that in a bit. But did you? Um, were you comfortable with your writing right from the get-go? Are you one of those guys that's just been writing stories since you can remember?
4: Yeah, I've been writing for a long time. I mean, I don't remember what my first story was, but I I wrote a lot, you know, growing up. And a lot of my stories all fixated on uh, romance, actually, because I love this this idea of, of having a happily ever after. Um, that's, that's something that's very uh, – affirming and, and you know, feel-good thing that you get kind of from Disney, I guess. Um, but I guess writing all that time, um, I really spent a lot of time trying to hone those skills and figuring out what worked and what didn't work, or what didn't work, yeah. Um, but when I finally, you know, published the first book,
3: I felt pretty comfortable with the ability to tell a story what, what would you say then to someone that hasn't published something that, that that is interested that they write, what advice do you give them? I would say the best
4: advice I could give would be um, don't wait until it's perfect just get it good enough because you need to get your work out there. You can always correct it later you can always you know learn more um, but if you wait till it's
3: perfect
4: it's it's never going to go anywhere.
3: Right. There's got to be a point where you just kind of, okay, that's good. And putting it out, you can't keep on trying to make it better and better and better. Otherwise you'll end up 60 years old with nothing out. (laughs) well, (laughs) Or very little out, you know, that's just, well, so what, what's, so what's, what's next for you now? Like, what are you working on now? Um, At the
4: moment, I'm currently working on another uh, paranormal romance that is, um, a, a winter uh, themed holiday romance um, that'll be out in the next week. And it takes, well, it actually takes place uh, with another werewolf pack um, in a different state. Um, but we'll, all, we'll be returning to the Hexton Hunted series um, in early 2022
3: for book two. Wow. Have you got like Mariah Carey in this one too, the Christmas one, <laughs> singing <laughs> in the background? Does
4: anyone want that?
3: No. <laughs> I mean Mariah Carey McDonald's. Come on. Come on. It's just getting it's getting crazy. <laughs> but you know, what do I know? So um so now do you like to um do social media or do you have a website? How do you like people to get a hold of you?
4: Um, anyone can find me at AustinOakley dot com and that's where you can find any of my other links. Uh, it's probably
3: easiest just to go there first. Wow. How was the pandemic for you? Like as in I know it's not a good thing, but as in does it just something like that, like something that's stressful and causing a lot of havoc outside of your door, um, did that sort of interfere with your writing itself or does it kind of stress you out and you can't write or how does it work for you?
4: Um, I think in general, there's, there's that sense of stress, but for me, my writing is kind of my sanctuary. I can kind of go into it and kind of escape things. Um, So when the pandemic is going on, it's kind of easier just to kind of put my head down and focus on what's occurring, you know, in this little farm somewhere with these, you know, werewolves that I can take care of instead of this big thing that, you know, is so much, you know, larger than anything I can, you know, really impact on a personal level.
3: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just it's interesting because different artistic people have totally different responses to how, something like this affects them some people are shut right down and others thrive you know they kind of get into the fantasy of whatever they're writing
4: oh for sure i know there's friends of mine um, other authors that that really weren't writing anything at all during the pandemic because it was just too much um, and it saps every bit of you know juice they had um but i don't know for, for me it was just something to do that was other than focusing on the smoking crater of what was happening outside. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it, it can be stressful, but I, I, I think in time things all get better. You know, it goes back and forth hopefully and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, well, certainly been amazing. Um, this is a great sounding book and everyone pick up this book. It's called Witchfire, and it's hexed and haunted book. One, And the author has been our guest, Austin Oakley. Thank you very much for talking with us
2: today.
4: Thank you for having me. I, was, I had a great time. Thanks, Austin.
2: Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino Movie Reviews.